0: There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar, and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle of Boveda. This is Box Press. Hey everyone, Rob Gagne here with Boveda. Another episode of Box Press, thanks for joining us. I'm sitting across from Ben Stimson from TMG. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're in town, we're just setting up 2020. Yes, exactly. For Bovida in Tobacco Business Magazine and Tobacco Plus Expo. That's correct, yeah. So both of those are what you kind of head up, right? Managing director of both of those.
1: TMG. So TMG falls with Tobacco
0: Business Magazine and TP Tobacco Plus Expo. Nice. Now you guys might recognize a slight accent. Actually, Ben is from London. Just a little one. Just a little bit. But now you're out of Raleigh, North Carolina, right? That's home. Yeah. Six years, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get into all of this, but before we do, I need to pump the brakes a little bit, and we need to do a little questions, and we need to get your viewpoint on these very intense, highly, highly seen in the media right now as being very controversial. So we want to get your idea on that, and yeah. then we're going to go from there. Let's all right. Let's do it. So is cereal a soup? Oh, is cereal a soup? Could be. Could be or is. It what could it, be. Is it a
1: yes it? or no answer? Well, no, it's your opinion. <clears throat> is, is cereal a soup? cereal a soup? I'm going to go
0: yes. And why? Because it's wet. Because like there's soup. a solution and then there's stuff floating in it, right? There you go. Okay. So it's like gazpacho, right? Cold soup. I would go with that. Gazpacho, but that's a yes. But have you ever heard the phrase, I'm going to have soup for breakfast? No. Yeah, Exactly.
1: It's weird. You just coined that phrase. I
0: like I, it. Maybe. Huh? I, maybe you'll have soup for breakfast this morning. You I think, think you know, I will. Lucky have. Charm soup. Maybe. <laughs> I think so. I, I think you might be onto something. All right. Are
1: you, if, if you had to go on a trip, would it be a cruise or a road trip? Road trip. Why? Because if I needed to, I can get out, take a walk, go to the bathroom, go and
0: explore. Sure. You get cooped up on All a right. cruise?
1: I've never been on a cruise. You've never been? No.
0: I have been on two cruises, one Alaskan, one Caribbean. I highly recommend it. Okay. Only because I like to eat, and you can eat 24-7 on those things. Really? Anytime you want. There's always a kitchen open. So do you get to get off the boat ever, or you just for the Yeah, you do. For you, the they port. You know, they stop at different ports <clears throat> to get off, do different activities. Yeah. Then there's always, like, a night show of, like, entertainment, dancing, singing, whatever it is. I loved it. Comedian, magician. Dude, now I like magic. Ah, yeah, see? It's all there on the boat. Food magic? Yeah,
1: food magic. Carpaccio? What more do you need, right? Cold soup? Cereal? (laughs) Everything in the morning. I'm good to go. I might actually have to book that. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to ask my wife who she wants to go.
0: Now, this is, uh, you know, if you had a different career path, would you want to be the backup quarterback so you wouldn't get a lot of time on the field? Or would you like to be the starting kicker, the guy who's responsible for getting those extra points? God, that's a good question. You know what? I think I'd go for the kicker. you go for the kicker? Yeah. Why? You want the, You want a little bit of a pressure, a little limelight? A bit of pressure, but if you hit that pressure point, you get the glory, boom. Yeah. You know? It motivates you, right? It motivates you. You know, the backup quarterback, you're, you're <clears throat> there in case something happens, but you're not. You might not get a game for, what, five? You might not get a game the whole season. But you collect a nice paycheck.
1: You could. You could. Yeah. But would you rather p- collect a nice paycheck or
0: have the glory moment? I don't know. I'd, li- I'd like the challenge of kicking the field goal. Me too. I think I would go with the kicker regardless yeah. just because I think the pressure of the quarterback would break me. Yeah. That's uh, like... ah. That could it. be a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. You know? In general.
1: But what happens if you're the kicker and it's the last opportunity of the game to win the game and all of a sudden
0: it's like a 20-yard So that's a good point. Goal, like, what you for the quarterback, the pressure is there, but at the end of the day, you probably forget his mistakes. Mm-hmm. But the kicker's mistakes... You remember those for years. I could define somebody's career or or end it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you're really gambling. So for that spotlight, are you willing to gamble it? Could be a career Just double or nothing? Yeah. Let's go for it. Double down. down. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's throw the dice. Let's roll them. Perfect. All right. Now, this is a really telling point on your personality. If you were a pair of shoes, which ones would you be and why? Ooh. You talking about brand or just style? Style,
1: brand? I'd be a pair of boots. Boots? Yeah, men's boots, obviously. Okay, why? why? Comfortable when it's cold outside. You know, your feet sure. don't get wet. But I think yeah. boots are just, they're cool. They're made for walking, right? Right. You
0: can do whatever you want to do. And they're functional. Yeah. So they, they look good and they're functional. They can get stuff done. You can yeah. get, to, get to places.
1: I would be boots.
0: I wear boots every day pretty much. Be real? Summertime.
1: Funny that you said that. Yeah. What color boots, though, would you have? Brown boots, black boots? I have brown
0: boots. Yeah. I have them on. I do, too. Do you really? Look. Oh, come on. I'm I'm always wearing my boots. See? Exactly. We're boots. We're boots guys. We're boot brothers. I don't don't even know why I would pick anything else. You know, like Skip Martin from Romacraft, he wears sandals. He wears flip-flops all the time. Yeah. That's his his thing.
1: you got to have the perfect toes for those. If you don't have the right toes, then...
0: Yeah, man. I, I think You're he out. just doesn't care. He's like all about the comfort. Yeah, that's I commend that. Does Skip just, have nice toes? Or I don't know. I don't. I try not to look at them. <laughs> I try not to look at them. <laughs> don't don't look directly into their eyes. Right, 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 right. You just notice. keep going. Just keep, keep going. going. Oh, nice flip flops. All right, nice. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I would definitely choose boots. I mean, flip flops are good in the summer.
0: Oh yeah. With all round
1: year comfort boots.
0: I don't know. I I probably for summer shoes i go chacos because i don't really like that floppy on the heel thing it, it annoys me so here's the interesting
1: thing you just said chacos yeah. so i knew nothing about chacos until this summer i was up in michigan and my buddy ben delica if he's watching how you doing buddy got a new job working
0: for chacos and he showed the best me these sandals. chacos they're sandals with little straps on them but, the best sandals right ever you could hike fish it was so comfortable hunt. Do whatever you, go, you want. Those. You can go hiking, you go fishing, you go in the water, you can go water ski. Do whatever you want. Yeah. They're the best, the most comfortable. Chaco's. And you can like yeah. wear them loose, and then you can like cinch them up and tighten them if you're really getting yeah. into some activity. Love it. Do you have a pair? I do. They're amazing. They have boat bottoms. You can wow. get different bottoms. You can get like a trekking bottom or a boat bottom. We're not sponsored by Chaco, but we really like them. <laughs> I like those. Now last question. Yes. What book impacted you the most in your life? Oh my goodness. What book impacted me most in
1: my life? That's a great question.
0: Yeah. You know
1: the most recent book that I read? Yeah. Which I read twice was the Steve Ooh. Jobs book. Good book, great book, long book. What's the title? Steve Jobs. Just Steve Jobs. Yeah. My wife bought it for me last Christmas. Good book. Nice. You yeah, read it you know, twice. It was I that it impactful. Twice. I read it twice. What was the biggest takeaway that you got out of it? That if you really want something, you have to manifest it in your mind. You have to believe it. Have that vision? Absolutely. And you just got to go for it. A lot
0: of people take risks. A lot of people don't take risks. But the people that take those risks, it eh, usually pays us off. I think there's a lot of that mindset. If you just, like you said, if you think about it and you want it and you go after it, it's kind of like you know, having the end in Go in, the, in the sights, you know, yeah. making sure you have the goal clearly defined yeah. so that you can reach it. Yeah. Yeah, love That's it. It's true. I mean, most people in this world, right? Yeah. You think about what you
1: want, uh, you think you're going to have a crap day, you're probably going to have a crap day. Yes. So
0: you can, do, yeah. the mindset goes both ways. Goes you can focus on ways. the positive or the, or the negative. That's true. That's true. Well, <clears throat> Ben, thank you for going through the little fun opportunity to get to know you a little bit better on some silly topics it was good yeah now if if you guys aren't familiar obviously tmg is the parent company that does tobacco business magazine they do tobacco plus expo which is a trade show that happens every year in january in fact it's coming up for us in in 2020 and the trade show itself tpe is what it's kind of known as they do everything related to smoking, vaping, and accessories. So it's really kind of this whole group collaborative of a bunch of different manufacturers and um, distributors coming together. Yeah. What stands out to me, in my mind, about Tobacco Business Magazine and about TPE is how well it's integrated itself into the premium cigar space, right. which I didn't see that as much before because it revolved around a lot of accessories, a lot of um, uh, other smoking um yeah. Things. So for me, I've really appreciated seeing a lot more manufacturers there. Yeah. And obviously you come to the table with a bunch of 10 plus years of uh, industry experience and in sales and brand development. So sure. that's that's nice to see. But before you even got to TPE and TMG, the yeah. the whole before you even got to this position you're in now, what were some of the early milestones, either the people or the moments? that defined your career path in sales and brand development? That's a great question. Yeah. So for me, it was different. I, uh, I always had this dream
1: as a kid that I wanted to be a professional athlete. And in fact, I was actually pretty good at soccer. And I was about 14 or 15 years old. And at this time, I was living in Michigan. So my path over the last 20 years has been back and forth between the UK and, and America. Well, in 1989, my dad's job brought us over to Michigan. It was January, I remember it. It was actually, close Whoa. to this time of the year, cold time of the year, it's a cold time of year. But as a 10 year old kid, you think you go to America, you can see Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Far from it. We landed in Michigan, <laughs> it was January 15th, there was like three foot of snow. My dad pulled up in this Oldsmobile, which was like 25 feet long, it was like a boat. <laughs> you remember the old, Oldsmobile oh, yes, yeah. the,
0: the big, old, old 80s hood. cars. Yes, yeah. the hood was as big as the whole car, it was so. huge. You could fit a family in the front, oh, yeah. I mean, literally, it was huge. So <clears throat>
1: We came over in 89 and I was playing soccer for, for a local team in Grand Rapids. I lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I was 15 years old and I had a letter come through and I said, hey, you yeah. know, we've had our scouts over in America and I had no clue that they had any professional clubs from England that had scouts for soccer or football looking at kids. So anyway, I got a letter that said, would you come for a trial? So 15 years old, I went back to England. Wow. And uh, I remember playing in this game and... Uh, they signed me on a contract, youth contract for two years. So at the age of 15 to 17, I, I played for a team called Aston Villa. And then another team came in called Wolverhampton Wanderers and they signed me on a three year pro contract and I was like, man, I'm gonna do this. This is gonna be my life. I'm gonna be a professional soccer player. Great. You've achieved it. I've achieved You've it. You've got it. I've got it. It's right there. Yeah, you know, it was right there. How many kids dream about something they wanna do, play a sport or become whatever yeah. it is, right? And they actually get to do it. Well, I got to do it at the age of 21. Uh, I broke my leg, my career ended, and that oh. was it. it
0: was how done. like did you like right away did you break your leg or did you play with them for no, a year? No, no, I played. So I had a three year contract
1: with Wolves, with played with yeah. Wolves and uh had, a, had a, I w- I was I was a good prospect. I probably didn't have what it take, you know, or took to be the top guy on the team, but I was okay. I could have made a living out of it.
0: Nice. And uh, so how far were you in your contract before you broke your leg? Two years. Two years. So you're yeah. in it for two years. You're like, yeah. this is great. This is great. I, I, mean, I got to get, you know, w- after that three years, you got to sign another contract? Well, I was
1: hoping. And then two years into it, I broke my leg and that was it. It was out for nine months. Done. Done. So after that, team's kind of look at you like, oh, well, he's a bit timid he's in his tackle. Risk. He's not really, yeah, he's risk averse. He's going to have some more injuries, et etc. et cetera. So I had to make a decision. That decision was, eh, is this really going to be something I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Can I do it? And the question, the answer was no.
0: Yeah, it's probably short term no matter whether you're healthy yeah. or not, right? Yeah, but it's looking like, back, looking back, I wish I would have given it more of, a,
1: more of a final push. I didn't. So anyway, back then, my dad, who became my role model, uh, he owned a company called Spoon Vickers, small, you know, small manufacturing company. They manufactured machinery for uh, companies like McDonald's. They made the, the burger buns for McDonald's. They made, uh, oh, sure, uh, Keebler, little Chippehoy cookies, et cetera. Anyway, big, massive machines. So he said, hey, look, why don't you come and work with me for a while? You know, Come pick up the phone, make some sales calls. I was like, okay. So I did that for six months. I was 21 years old, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And uh, then I went to outside sales, and then I uh, uh, got my first commission paycheck. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. I could make a decent living here.
0: Yeah. Now, prob- now we're talking. And
1: now we're talking, right? I'm a grown-up. i I'm got a, some money in my pocket. I'm a grown-up. I've got some money in my pocket. I'm doing something that can actually pay some bills. I think the problem for me was um, I just didn't feel that fire. You know? Sure. I worked for my dad, which was cool. I learned a lot from my dad, who was my role model, and I learned how to... Uh, sell products, how to engage with people, business development, how to open new doors, Right. how to build relationships, create relationships, close deals. Uh, and then I got into marketing um, for the same company working for my dad. But going back to when I was playing soccer, in some occasions, you'd be playing in front of 20 30,000 people and that so buzz, you try to replicate that. And I just wasn't feeling that. <clears throat> so I was like, you know what, dad, I appreciate it. I was there for two years. I ended up uh, running the, the sales and marketing division. That was a team of about you know, 15, 15 salespeople. Sure. I said, dad, I was living in Liverpool at the time. Great place, Liverpool was, was phenomenal. Um, I was born and raised in Cambridge. So I said, dad, I'm moving back to Cambridge. And he's like, okay. So I moved back to Cambridge and opened my own real estate company with my then best friend, uh, Darren. Yeah. yeah. Knew each other since we were you know, small little nippers. Yeah. And I did that for uh, two years. Two years. And again, I was looking for that next move. So, uh, you know, it kind of took me to, uh, to right. come back over here to the States. But really my early, my early years, my, my, my passion, my love for sales, marketing and, 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 and uh, business development and, and, you know, everything above and helping
0: companies grow and exposing their brands and growing their brands was, was through my father. So what was the specific moment that you decided to get into the cigar industry or the tobacco industry in general? Yeah. 2012. And again, I was, uh, at
1: that point, I, I just married my high school sweetheart. Nice. We lost contact for like 10 years. We reconnected. And I was at that transition after obviously going into real estate and coming out. And I was like, you know what? I'm fed up with the weather. You know, I, I, need, I, need, I need that excitement. So I said, do you want to move to America? My family were based in Raleigh. I had my mother, my brother, my sister, my nieces and nephews. So I had, I had a foundation there. Sure. So she said, yeah, sure, let's do it. At that time, uh, she was six months pregnant with my uh, my now son, who's five years old. Awesome. And uh, we sold the house. We had no agenda. We had no idea what we were going to do.
0: You didn't even set up a job? No. So you just Nothing. totally like leap of faith, like let's go to America. We'll
1: leap figure of it faith. out once we, once we get there. Let's figure it out. But wow. we do that together. So you know the cool thing with what happened there was at that moment, it was kind of like, right, that's it. We We, we became like... The Ultimate Team, the Power Ranger, right? You guys are together in this. We're together in this, we have to right? Make it happen. We're all in. We got to make it happen. Um, so in 2012, we decided to move back to America, which was my last and final move. I said, if we're going to do this, that's it. After this, I'm staying put. This is where I'm going to set up so home.
0: Then you wanted to become a citizen of the United States. Yes. Which you just achieved, yeah. right? Yes. Six months nice, ago. Congrats. Hey, thank you. So yeah. that I was your goal it. the whole time: is move back. Yeah. Let's make this happen. Let's
1: make this happen. And 2012, I looked at a few jobs and I was offered a job with a company called Speccom International who, uh, they had some publications. They had a couple of trade shows, uh, European trade shows. They had a couple of shows domestic here in the US. And I thought, you know what? It's tobacco. I, you know, I like smoking cigars and. Sure. Let's, let's do it. So I accepted a job with them and uh, took, took a job as
0: their sales and marketing, you know, director for, for the US and. But what was that definitive yeah. moment that you said like, okay, now I'm in the cigar industry and this
1: is it? That first moment was actually IPCPR 2012. Really? So the same year you came back. Yeah. And you already signed on with Specom? Speckham, and that was in the January. So the show was coming up in July. It was my first experience ever with Got it. IPCPR. Sure. And I remember somebody handed me a cigar. I didn't know this person. Didn't know him at all. No clue. Just I had handed I, you a and, cigar. and still to this day, I can't remember who it was, handed me a cigar. It was, it was at, you have these events and these yeah. parties, and they said, here, try this. And actually put it in my mouth, and I was like, wow, okay. Had cut it, Yeah. lit the cigar, and I remember taking my first draw on the cigar, and I, I, I had that moment where you kind of look up and you exhale. And I was like, man, this is actually a pretty cool moment everybody around me shared that moment. It was kind of cool. It was like this epic
0: moment of, hey, man, you've arrived. This is where you need to be. Yeah, because you don't even know this guy who entered you a cigar, but it's like this equalizer. Right? He wanted, yeah, he was a friend, I guess.
1: He wanted to introduce me to something I'd never experienced before. So that was really my first moment. And I think from there, I kind of thought, you know what, I like this. had a real nice family. I mean, I come from a big family. Mm -hmm. Had that real nice family, close-knit feel, so.
0: Yeah, the cigar family. Yeah. Is very tight knit. Yeah. But well, you had smoked cigars before that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously. But this yeah, yeah. was like the pivotal time where you're like, this is it. I want to be in the cigar industry and I made the right choice. This is it. I'm working in the cigar industry right now. Yeah. Nice. This is it. Unbelievable. So obviously with Spetcom, your yes. role with TMG seems like a great fit. But what do you think it is that made your experience pivotal in TMG picking you for being the managing director?
1: I think some of the experience I learned from my father early doors, you know, on sales and marketing, you know, uh, running small teams of, of, you know, people helping them.
0: Because that's what you're doing. You're selling basically yeah. ad space for the the magazine or articles or cover stories or anything like that. Well, we're selling the advertisers, but It's more about exposing the brands, giving them
1: exposure to our audience. So the, the model that TMG has, we're owned solely by Cretech International, mm-hmm. uh, is our parent company. And they're based out of California, Los Angeles, P&K, Phillips and King. Yep. Uh, TMG then uh, with the media outlet, with the trade show, we have uh, buyers, wholesalers, distributors, retailers, tobacconists, head shops, smoke shops, DTOs, all come to the show. Right. Uh, and then through the publication, we're able to feed, uh, f- throughout the year, we're able to feed the exposure of the brands to our audience. So it's almost like telling the story, romancing the story. Right. And then at the show, it's an opportunity to buy and sell those products. So, TMG as a whole, yes, we do sell advertising, but it's more about really helping companies grow
0: their brands. Right, you know? that exposure you're giving yep. them a platform to tell their story. Hundred percent. That's awesome. Yeah, and so that's where you come in. You build the relationship. You, you and uh, Reed. Reed is basically the primary editor, right? And Antoine, yeah, yeah. Antoine, uh, he, in fact,
1: he came with me everywhere I've been. He's come with you know, along on the on the ride. So yeah, he's a great guy. Good, good storyteller. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's, great. A, he's he's a good guy. So, uh, but yeah, in total, we help companies, you know, build their
0: brands. It's awesome. So, so you're clearly qualified for the job. Come with a lot of experience, but in the cigar industry, what do you think is the most challenging job? Now, only because I did this back in the day as a as a sales rep, I think a cigar sales
1: rep. It is. It's a tough job. Absolutely. You've got to fight for shelf space. Yeah, You've got tons of SKUs already on the shelf. How do you get your products to replace those products? That's number one. The other thing is maybe you're spending seven, eight, nine months of the year on the road. If you've got a family, that's tough, but you've got to go out and earn a
0: crust so you can pay the bills. Because it's not just like usually one state. You usually have like three or four states that you're kind of yeah. shuffling around to. Yeah, you're living out your
1: suitcase right for, for, for quite a while. Yeah. Now, if you're a single guy or a single girl or woman... It's, it's the perfect job. Right, right. You know? Absolutely, because um, it's just you. Then you yeah. can go out, yeah. make, make but, your home on the road. Make your home on the road. But the other thing is you have to be on your game. You have to sustain that every single day. Right. How do you do, I mean, that's- Mentally, you gotta be a certain type of person to, to, to be an outside, you know, an outside
0: rep. Absolutely, and sometimes you hear the word no. Right. Or I'm not, I'm not bringing that in my shop or whatever. And then you gotta still keep that relationship. Cause You never know what happens down the road, right? Because hey, they might eventually put your boxes up. They might, they might. It's unbelievable. So that's I've, I feel like the hardest shot would be a roller, buncher and roller. Yeah. I've tried it before. It's um it was easier than I thought, only because I was able to take a lot of time yeah. in doing it. But if I were like paid by my rolling ability, yeah, I would not be a very rich man. Yeah, I'd be very poor. Yeah. I'd be asking my buddy <laughs> next to me who's rolling like 50, 60, dude, can I get a loan? Yeah, yeah. you hey, uh, chuck me some of those cigars we have only got five in <laughs> two hours. Right, right. How are we doing? Right. And he's like got 25. He's already got a box done or whatever. He's got a box done already. Yeah. He's ready to go home. So I think that would be for me like mm-hmm. that's the hardest. And then like the consistency too. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, I rolled them, but like some of them are underfilled, some of are overfilled. That's true. It was very difficult, but it was a fun process to learn yeah. and, and understand. Where did you learn
1: that? Did you do that when you were pro cigar or something like that? No,
0: I just like picked up a kit online from, I think, a place called Leaf. Um, But they just sell you tobacco, raw tobacco. A buddy of mine had some molds, and we just like got together and got our cutting board out and our pizza cutter. and just started, uh, let's look up some videos and figure out how to do this and see if we can do it. And it worked. Yeah, it worked. Uh, The capping is also the hardest part. Like that... how those guys just like quick cut the cap and, you know, they look like they're not even doing anything, just rubbing their fingertips together and all of a sudden it's done. It's done. You're like, wow. wow. And then I did that yeah. and it looked like a weird tootsie roll that was crooked. Yeah, at yeah. And it was just, it was it horrible. It was
1: different. Yeah. And they probably yeah. can do it with one hand. I oh, yeah.
0: they yeah. like, whatever, done. Yeah. You're like, okay, great. I so can see that like, as being a tough job though. That's, that's a good. Yeah. yeah. I think it's extremely tough. Yeah, man. Now, since you've been in the cigar industry for what ten plus years, you've mm-hmm. been experiencing cigars, smoking cigars, all that. Have you seen any differences in the way people enjoy cigars? Any differences, probably not differences, but there's a common
1: camaraderie or brotherhood or, or sisterhood that, that that you see. You know, um, you know, time. People get to share stories. Yeah. Do you, you know? remember your first cigar? I do remember my first cigar. Yeah. Yeah, where was it? It was in Chicago. Tell me about it. It was again in the, in, in January. I don't know what happened. Yeah, <laughs> you you a lot of January the, <laughs> moments. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> kind of strange thinking about it. Uh, a buddy of mine. I was. I was. Uh, it was when I was back here for the first time. I came back, obviously, when I was, you know, twenty-one. Yeah. Um, and he lived in Chicago. I came back to see some friends in Michigan. He says, "Hey, you know, come over and let's hang out." So I did, and it was freezing. It was like minus eighteen degrees. Have you ever been to Chicago in January?
0: No, it's but cold. I've
1: been to Minnesota, which is where we're at. Yeah. And it's cold in January it's as well. Co- it really is cold today. <laughs> it's very cold. So it was kind of like the same temperature. Yeah, really cold, um, snowy. And he pulled, we went
0: outside because we couldn't smoke in his house. It was,
1: you know, being respectful for oh, his Oh, wow,
0: you're really partner. braving. And now you're like, yeah, dedicated, right? I'm going to oh, smoke yeah. a cigar in what, Five degrees. Something like that, it, it something must below 20. It was a wind chill that just kept oh. sweeping
1: through. So it was kind of, you kept smacked in the face every couple of minutes. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was interesting.
0: So were you like even excited about this or were you kind of like, oh Not really, uh, no. No, you weren't. Like, I, I, I had, had no expectations
1: either. except for I just wanted to get back in the warm. You yeah, know, it was cold. So you're like, okay, fine, let's do this. Let's do it. He was adamant about it. He was adamant about it. He said, you got to try this cigar. Anyway, he pulled out an acid cigar. I was like, what is this? I had no clue. Right. And I remember that moment. Although it was very cold, I remember that moment, that first, again, that first draw, that, 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 that moment, that experience. And after about five or 10 minutes, the cold went away. Yeah, yeah. now you're
0: in it. Now I'm in it. Because you're sucked into the cigar. Yes. You're like concentrating on the flavors and the experience. Yeah, yeah just you guys to, drinking a little. Yeah, we had, yeah. Yeah, a couple, yeah like bourbon, had, bourbon or something. We had a little
1: bourbon, yeah. 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 That so warmed that warmed me up yeah. too. Yeah. That warmed me up too. Yeah, that five and minutes. And he had and a, of one of those little heated, you know, the little heater things. Sure. It didn't do too much, no. but. Uh, uh, a little but, bubble. You get a little bubble of like somewhat warm. You do. It gives you a moment of kind of like comfort that you,
0: you, you're you going to warm yeah. up soon. It's like a hairdryer just blowing in your face. That's while right. It's frigid out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. works sort of. You just keep going. Yeah. So, so you guys uh, stayed out there, smoked the cigar down to the finish or did you go? No, kind of no, 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 no. It, it
1: was uh, probably halfway through. Okay. Uh, but the first, the my my first time, uh, obviously I smoked Royal Your Own Cigarettes back in the day. So- I didn't know what to expect. He didn't tell me anything. So, you know, me, I kind of took quite a big draw in and into my lungs and, uh, Ooh. it's uh, that's a, they hit a me pretty hard. Quick. It was a lesson on them very quick. Cool. <laughs> but that experience was great. Cause then, you know, who would have known that all these years later, I went on to
0: right. enjoy a career in the uh, cigar and tobacco. And it's and amazing how you can grow yeah. in this whole industry in this whole, like you can learn all about new cigars. Yeah, You can taste new cigars. It's just, I'm always learning something new. It's one of the best things about scars. What about your first experience? My first experience? Yeah. Uh, it was not as impactful as yours, but it was definitely uh, me and my buddy getting our hands on some tobacco. Um, we probably weren't of age. I'll just say that. And yeah. we, uh, we went out behind my mom's house into this like kind of shed area uh, and we lit a cigar We were like, oh, this is great. It was horrible. It tasted horrible. It was dried and have it properly humidified. But it was the idea of like smoking cigars and enjoying something that seemed to be out of reach for us at that time. You know, we're we're not even 18. We're not supposed to be doing this, but we're enjoying it. And not from a perspective of like getting high or something like that, but from a perspective of like, this is what men do. Yeah. Like we're, we're ready to become men, even though we're not 18. Were ready for it so that when, we were like getting ready
1: is that when you bought your first pair of boots or?
0: yeah that's when i yeah, bought yeah. my first pair of boots yeah yeah, yeah. no doc martens were really popular when i was they in high were. school yeah so i had my first pair of boots when i was like you know ninth grade yeah and i felt like a man then too there you go yeah. a, cigar yeah. on a pair little, of little tiny skinny guy <laughs> yeah. in these big boots there you go, smoking you know. a cigar yeah trying to smoke <laughs> a cigar didn't work out very that's well it's a good moment yeah no it's good but then after that, I you know, got into a cigar lounge once I turned 18, and the rest was history because yeah. I was hooked. Yeah. This whole community, this whole, uh, um, this whole group of people that just all share in the same common bond yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. It was slightly intimidating mm. you know, to be in that space. But I don't know, do you ever get intimidated when you get into a cigar lounge? You're kind of like, I don't really know. I don't know any of these people. No. You know what I enjoy most, though, is the storytelling. Mm.
1: You hear so many stories from different people. Right? Absolutely. So we were, uh, uh, where was we? Uh, Anstead's, which is in Fayetteville. Okay. A great tobacconist, Wayne Anstead. Um, and uh, they're based right near Fort Bragg. And we were there a couple of weeks, beautiful lounge, beautiful, you know, store, lounge, set up the whole thing. Sure. And um, had an opportunity to enjoy a cigar. Well, in came some of the you know armed forces and sat down and tell the stories and- you know, it's interesting just to learn about people wow. and what they do. and Right.
0: It's you don't an experience that. Equalizer yeah. from a perspective of like, we're here for the same reason. We're, we're having a cigar. We're going to yeah. just talk and it doesn't matter who you are or who I am. We're just going to share a conversation. Share a conversation over a cigar. It's
1: unbelievable. It is. It's crazy. But you know what? It brings people together. And sometimes it brings people together when you actually need it, right? That Absolutely. a common that, that opportunity to share a story and- you know, that companionship, it's, it's, it's neat. I've never seen that in any other industry. Eh, you know. No,
0: you think it's different industry,
1: at a bar? You think the stories are a little bit different? They might be, especially after a few drinks.
0: They might get a little bit yeah. more, you know, Larry and right. wild. A little exaggerated possibly. Wrestle the bear maybe, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. But, I never really found that. Like I tried to be a bar back in my early days because I thought it would be like the cigar shop. Yeah. It's like, oh, this yeah. is gonna be great. This could be people sitting around, sharing stories. I didn't get that. A lot of people are slightly angry when they're around really? alcohol or they're just annoying. Yeah, that that I I I see that. I don't find that at a cigar shop. Yeah. I don't find a lot of annoyance in yeah. people because everyone's calm, relaxed. Yeah. They're all intact up here, they're not yeah. intoxicated. Yeah. And they all just, like you said, you just want to share a story and say hi. And I mean, I've learned like about people's. Careers and lives and their history with um, their children, and this, that, and the other thing. And I, I'm just like blown away half the time. It's, it's so fun. I, I don't get intimidated now going into the smoke shop because I find it interesting to go and try to ask somebody a question. Yeah. Like about them. Yeah. Who are you? What, what, what brought you in today? Blah, blah, blah. Right. That's the best. Yeah. I love it. Do you think there's anything in particular that motivates people to draw themselves towards cigars? Like for me, it was like me trying to be a man and become into this, you know, kind of this new era of my life. That's what drew me to cigars. But like, do you think other people are drawn by different things? Like just escaping or the luxury side of it? Or, you know, is it a oral thing? Cause they like wine and it's the same kind of thing where it's like all these different flavors coming out of these cigars? You know what? I think time is the, the biggest commodity in the world. It's one thing that you
1: never get back, that time. And I think a lot of people, they do use it or they see it as a, an opportunity for them to just unwind, right? right? That 30 minutes, that hour, that hour and a half, that two hours, you know, that's the the, the recalibration where they kind of disconnect to reconnect type right. moment. You know, It's not time wasted. No, it's not. It's actually filled really nicely. I mean, you get from it what you want Absolutely. You can do whatever you like to do in that time, whether you share a conversation with someone or you just sit there in
0: solitude and enjoy those two hours. That's the other thing. There's people that really like to just sit in solitude. Yeah. Like they're, you know, introverted or whatever. And they, that's where they recharge. Exactly. As it's brilliant because it can go both ways. Yeah. I love that. But I think everyone's different. Like your experience, that's yeah. that's great.
1: For for, for, for me, uh, I love the storytelling. I love the conversation. That's That's... That's where I sort of romance the cigar. Two extroverts. Two extroverts. Are you extrovert. Uh, can, can be, yeah. yeah. Are you a social introvert? Uh, n-
0: Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: You- do you recharge your battery by like being alone? Yes. You do. So you are a social introvert. I'm not. Like yeah. my favorite thing to do to recharge my battery is to go to the smoke shop on Friday really? when it's the most busy, and like talk to people and hang out. My wife knows it. She's like, hey, you know what? Long week. Just go to the smoke shop on Friday. Enjoy. That's my thing. Love it. What do you expect when you go, when you walk through that door? What do you expect? I expect nothing because sometimes I go there and there's not a lot of people there. But regardless, I'm always able to like, usually have a conversation with somebody or just unplug, have that cigar. But yeah, I like it better when there's more activity and more socializing. That's my favorite. You play dots? I don't. We don't have a dartboard at the smoke shop that I mm. used to work at. Um, so just go in and yeah. hang out. That's good. I'm not even that big on sports or TV. So yeah. for me, it's all about the social. That's good. Yeah. Since we're talking about tobacconists and Tobacco Business Magazine mm. really does speak to the tobacconists a lot, whether it might be FDA regulations or different laws that are coming out and sure. then manufacturers and what they're bringing to the table, and then also stories from other tobacconists that are succeeding in their business or they've done something unique to bring customers in. What do you think is the most challenging to a tobacconist? Is it the taxes, the federal and and, uh, regulations that might be coming down, or is it creating that hospitality, that environment for people to sit and smoke cigars? Great question again. I think it's
1: all of the above, right? There's always going to be laws, regulations. There's always going to be taxes for, for a tobacconist. There's always going to be something that is going to create some sort of a question, concern, or issue. However, for me personally, if you, well, if you don't or you don't give your customers an opportunity to enjoy the products that you sell, to enjoy and create that experience, mm-hmm. I think you're, you're not at a loss, but you're missing out on something. Yeah, because it's not just coming in and grabbing a cigar and then that's it. Come in, sit out. Hey, meet Joe, meet Rob. Rob's got a great story, by the way. (laughs) You know, it's that moment. So I think um, creating that environment, that experience and just letting people kind of go on their own journey while they're there. Right. But it's hard for people to do that. It's expensive to put a walk-in humidor or a lounge in your store, right? Absolutely. You
0: know? You kind of look at it as like, is this space making me money?
1: Yeah. Is it making me money? Right. Good point. Good point. Um, so, uh, for me, it's all about
0: the experience. I'm a very experiential person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and the way you feel right away when you walk in the shop makes a big difference, right? For me, if it's kind of like unclean or unkept, I get slightly irritated. Right. Because I'm like, wait a minute, is there something, are they not taking care of the cigars the way they should be? Like, to me, it's really important to make sure it's clean, kept up. Right. neat and orderly, nothing's like too out of order right and then from there it's like right away but i'm kind of anal or ocd so really yeah i like things in order i wouldn't have uh, i wouldn't have thought that uh, no no <laughs> is
1: it kind of like that moment then when you walk into your cigar store it's like cheers where they say hey rob everyone kind of like cheers your name well because
0: i used to work there oh okay so, so they then, know you yeah, yeah, yeah right so that is that is one aspect of it but it's also you know clean spot it's you know to me it's orderly. Cigar ashtrays are cleaned right away. Yeah. It's just it's one of those things where you can go in and feel yeah at home. I
1: think you're right. There's nothing worse than walking into a cigar store and looking at the selection and it being a complete mess. Everything's mm-hmm. everywhere. It's just it just a, it looks like a in England a, we'd call it a jumble sale, which is like a you know garage sale. Right. You know it's a mess. I think to have a nice clean environment where you are comfortable that the product that you're buying, the time
0: that you're spending, right. the money you're spending. It's going to be well worth it. And I'm also yeah. like a big proponent or a big advocate for like, don't carry everything. Just deal with what you you really know makes yeah. you kind of that that caters to your customers. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't really care to carry every single humidor. I don't really care to carry every single accessory. For me, I'd rather just focus in on what my clientele likes yeah. and then just keep it very simple, clean, and elegant. Do you ever get a moment when you go back to the,
1: the, the cigar store, the
0: lounge, where you just want to jump in the humidor and, and, and work? I do. Yeah, I actually did not too long ago, like a week ago. Wow. There were some people that were new walked in. I was like, Hey, have you ever been here? No. I'm like, great. You know, <laughs> here's this guy and here's this guy that worked there, and they were both busy. I'm like, actually, they're both busy, but I used to work here. I'll help you. So I just walked them around, gave them a tour. It was the best. I love that. Did you get a sale? Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. I told them, Hey, man, you owe me. No, yeah. I'm No, no, no. They're, you can't always take it out of you, right? Like if you're really passionate about something, you just, you just do it because you love to do it. Yeah. And seeing other people, like you said, enjoy cigars and get passionate about it, that's all we're here to do. Yeah. So if I can help somebody do that, like win for the day, another cigar smoker in our corner. Perfect. Right? It's like Christmas every day. I know. Right? One of my favorite things to do is hand people that have never smoked a cigar a cigar but then also teach them how to like cut it light it so that they're educated right mm-hmm. it's not just about handing them a cigar and hey smoke this try yeah. this um it's about making sure that they know what they're doing and so they feel confident because i think that was like the number one thing that i felt intimidated about was how do i do this right which is really weird it's yeah. really easy after you get it right cut light yeah smoke right but there's you could kind of goof it up yeah oh you can right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, totally. So like, what was your biggest fear when getting into cigars? Were you like, I got to learn how to cut this. I got to learn how to store them. Did you have any big fears before? Or were you just kind of like, whatever? Yeah,
1: I had a fear. I, w- I always had a fear that I would, you
0: know, lighten the cigar. I mean, that, it's, it, it's a skill. It's not like lighting a cigarette. No, it's not. It doesn't take up immediately. You kind of got to toast it for yeah. a while, get it all cherry red, yeah. and then you got to draw on it. Yeah, that was my biggest fear. You know, right.
1: having one side completely burned, maybe shaving off half of my,
0: <laughs> when I
1: had a beard, you know, we uh, whole, singed that. The whole thing is just gone. The whole you know? thing
0: is black. It's black, yeah. At the end, you're like, oh, I don't yeah. know if I did that right. It looks like a sausage rather than a cigar. Or you cut too much off the top it starts to unravel. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> right. what, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah. Operator error.
1: Right, right. But the educational part I think, is a huge, it's a huge component in, you know, the cigar and tobacco industry. I equate it mm-hmm. to just being like a first-time driver, right? Yeah. You were comfortable behind the wheel right away, were you? No, I remember actually when I was doing my driver's ed at 16, I ran over a squirrel.
0: <laughs> oh man! Thing. Yeah, Can you imagine that? Did you feel bad? Yeah. Did you like get out and check it, or were you just like, "Oh, I just think I ran over a squirrel"? I
1: no, I, I remember looking in the rearview mirror and the thing was shaking in the road. And oh then, uh, man! Again, it was it, no word of a lie. It was actually it was during the
0: winter time in Michigan. It was January. <laughs> it <laughs> it really all really? Winter stories. Yeah. I actually had my first time driving. I drove over to my buddy's house, got out late. I was in high school. It was on a weekend or a Friday or something like that, and I remember a car being in front of me taking yeah. a left. But apparently, there's a big enough shoulder, but it, you're not supposed to drive on the shoulder or pass people on the really? shoulder. So I did, I passed him. I thought that was fine. I was like, He's taking a left, I'm gonna get around him. Yeah, I'm an impatient high schooler. Then I get a cop pulls me over, Uh-oh. and I was super cautious about my speed because I didn't want a speeding ticket. My like. First, I still have my papers. Yeah. I didn't even have my license. Just you a little provisional license? Yeah, yeah, from the test. Wow. So it has like the test results. Wow. And apparently the the instructor, which I didn't really even look at it because mm. the instructor just gave me this slip of paper and said, you pass. I, I don't care what it says. I'm I'm passed. I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. I'm driving. You're done. I'm great. Yeah. Apparently it said I needed to work on my turns. Really? So the cop grabs my papers, goes back to the car, comes back out, and he's like, hey, you can't pass people there's a white line. This this is only for parked cars. It's not for driving. He goes, so don't don't practice your turns. Just stay straight on the road. And I was like, why did you say don't practice my turns? And I looked at it and in there said I need to practice. My, my goodness. Turn. So yeah. How old were you? I was, you know, sixteen. You know, right when you get your license. Yeah. So yeah, that was my. You know, I obviously didn't feel comfortable behind the wheel. Nor right. did I know everything that I should and shouldn't do. Right. 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 So cigars are just like that. Yeah, it's they like, are. You learn. You learn from your mistakes, you learn from other people, and then you just keep going. It just just keep amazing. going. Yeah. But it's nice to have people that teach you. Yeah. You're know, just like driving.
1: Yeah. I don't think there's enough people, like you said, when you go into the store, your local store, that actually you take it that time to help people. I don't think there's enough of those people around. Maybe what
0: we need to do is clone you and put like a hundred of you around the country. It's the tobacconist, right? Yeah, they need to they need to be educated on that. I mean, obviously they are, but they need to be aware of like that's my job yeah. is to yeah. educate people. Yeah. yeah, I think. No, perfectly. it's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point.
1: Yeah, I'm mm. actually kind of uh, a little worried now. I've been driving around with you for the last couple of days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been giving you a couple of rides. Don't worry, I've gotten a lot better. That's good since my 16 years. Right, 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 right. 16 year old. I, I hope so. So, Tobacco Plus Expo. Yes has gone from, I don't know, like three years ago, I probably was there and there were, I don't know, maybe like 10 premium cigar manufacturers. I think this year you guys have a list of like over 30? Over 80. Over 80 premium cigar manufacturers are going to be at the show. Yeah. So you way like huge growth Mm. in the premium cigar industry being involved in TPE, right? Yeah. Like what is attracting them to do that? What's bringing him to the table? Because that's amazing. Yeah, it's a good question.
1: So historically, the the Tobacco Plus Expo show was uh, was looked at or at least perceived to be more of a mass market show. That was it.
0: Um, Like you said, Discount tobacco stores, discount tobacco stores, mix mixed shops, not mixed the shops, premium that, premium shops. Yeah,
1: that was a perception. Although it always had an element of that. There was always, you know, tobacco uh, manufacturers coming to the the show. Right. Uh, there was always, you know, premium tobacconists and retailers coming to the show, um, but it was an opportunity for us. Really, that's where we saw one of our huge opportunities for growth for the for the show was to increase more. Uh, of a footprint for the premium manufacturers. So last year, we introduced uh, a program called the Hosted Buyers Program, which uh, we made a huge investment in time financially to actually uh, go out to the premium uh, stores and uh, invite them to the show through manufacturers, through ourselves, and say, hey, look, come out, check the show out. We feel that Tobacco Plus Expo is held at the perfect time of year, Right. right? Because it's in January. It's
0: in jan- January so again. You you, right? you order and what you get it in springtime. Yeah, which is right when usually your business is picking up. So if you think
1: about the cycle of 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 the cigar industry, mm-hmm. right? Springtime mm-hmm. is usually when you start getting out. You start going right. You know, enjoying your products, enjoying your cigars, especially here in the winter states. Yeah, yeah it's cold. Cold. Yeah. I mean, do yeah. you imagine being outside November, December, January, and February? it's,
0: it's tough. Right. Most people come into this, even if they don't smoke in the shop, they come in, they grab their cigars, and then they head off to their weekend or yeah. their cabin or just out on their patio. Yeah. But they come in on Friday to get what they want for the weekend. Right. So, yeah, it's, springtime is huge. Springtime's huge. So, I think the appeal was one, the time of year of the show,
1: right? Manufacturers now get to get their products on the store shelves in the springtime. Great. Um, you know, they can come up with new products, new releases, which this year at TPE, we've got a lot of cigar manufacturers releasing new products at the show, which is great for us.
0: Right, which I've been keeping my eye on over yeah. at Tobacco Business Magazine yes. online. Good. Because I'm like interested as to what's coming up. There you go. Yeah. That's cool, you actually read it. That's
1: cool. Oh yeah. um, so one would be the timing of the year. Two, we introduced a ho- hosted buy program because we wanted to give premium tobacconists and manufacturers an opportunity to see that this really is a show for them. It's the first premium cigar and tobacco show of the year. As sure. I said, it helps, uh, it helps manufacturers get their products on the store shelves, early doors, so that spring and summertime, when uh, uh, you know, cigar buying is, is, is at its prime, they're already there, they're in place. They're selling. Uh, they're, they're, they're selling. Um, so we invested a lot of time and energy into that. One of the other things we did was, uh, we introduced um, three years ago, was the Tobacco Business Awards. Which we host yes. at the TPE show. Which By the
0: way, vote for Boveda for accessory of the year. It was a good plug. Sorry. I no, it was it. good. No, I'd I like to. Usually don't plug on this show. No, but he did today. I had to. Um, <laughs> so, uh,
1: And last year was, was phenomenal. We had uh, Nesta Miranda. We had Ernesto perez Correa. We had right. Jonathan Drew. We had uh, uh, Leona Fuente. You know, we had all these greats come out and actually enjoy... The awards, the tobacco business, uh, uh, and the TP experience, which- Even retailers, right? Retailers, so you, you yeah. awarded retailers for best
0: shop. And what was it? Havana Best Hills. tobacconist.
1: Yeah. Uh, Havana Fills one last year. That's right. Yeah. 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 Great uh, spot. Great yeah. spot. Right by Greensburg. you. R- Raleigh North.
0: Wait, wait, wait. So You're in
1: Raleigh. I'm in Raleigh. They're in Bur- Greensboro. Greensboro. Yeah. It's about an hour from me. Aaron's Is that one miles. of your favorite shops? Oh, yeah. That's by you, far. That's where you go. Yeah. Hang yeah. out. That's where I hang out when I want to enjoy. He has three lounges, he's got a Davidoff Lounge, a Rocky Patel Lounge, yeah, right. I mean, he's got, he's got a nice setup.
0: Yeah, outdoor uh, space, everything. Outdoor
1: space, yeah. Great spot. Yeah, the uh, Monte Cristo Lounge as well, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great spot. Phil's, so Phil's done a good job.
0: You're offering all this to tobacconists, yeah. so retailers, you're offering it to the manufacturers. You're just trying to cumulate all at the same time, like, here, here we go, we can make this happen really easily
1: yeah build the ultimate experience but also um just really help people come together
0: Mm -hmm. and that's
1: really where we saw the growth this last year for the premium you know the premium side both in manufacturing
0: and 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 for the attendees nice i enjoy the show every year I always like it. I love seeing people in the industry. It's always an opportunity to say hi. Yeah. What's, what's going on? What do you got right. new? What's coming out? Yeah. Love that.
1: Yeah. It's a good time to, to, to network and see
0: those faces. You only see once a year, right? And that's kind of what I like about the magazine. So obviously, if you're in the industry, you can get the magazine. If you're a tobacconist, you definitely should get it. It's free. You just sign up online. It goes right to your thing. If you're not and you're a consumer, like majority of our crowd, you can go to tobacco Business. What is the is the website tobaccobusiness.com? www.tobaccobusiness.com Yeah, TobaccoBusiness.com. You read all the articles that are in the magazine, all online. It's so it's so easy, and I think as a consumer, the value there yeah. is understanding what's coming up for products and what's going on with regulation. Yep. Yeah. But then I also like to hear the stories of like the salespeople, the tobacconists, what they're doing. For me, it's interesting. So, if you geek out about that kind of stuff and like to keep keep uh, a little bit of a pulse of what's going on inside the industry right. and who's who, sure. it's great. I think I think I you know as a consumer, I would still enjoy it, but I might be a, a little bit of a bias because I'm yeah I'm a geek
1: yeah I love it. I appreciate that it was that was nice of you to say yeah. You know, one of the things we tried to do with Tobacco Business Magazine uh, three years ago and, and even you know moving forward to today was to really tell the stories of the True entrepreneurs, why they started the business, how they did it, the successes they had, the mistakes they made, and to tell those stories, not just with the people who run the company, but the people on the team behind the companies too, right. right? Because the foot soldiers who are out there every day pounding the pavement, who are selling the product, they deserve just as much notoriety and opportunity to, to, to share their story as the guy who started the company, right? right? I mean, the, the best companies in the world have been successful, not just because of the idea, but the team that they build around them absolutely so we try to do that i think we've done a good job at least uh you
0: know delivering those messages and those stories you know um, have you ever listened um, to the podcast how i built this no yeah it's it's a good one it's very similar to that it's like that success story of how did i build this company yeah. from nothing and i like that about your articles because it showcases that or just it might even highlight a sales rep and yeah what they see in the industry and how they've persevered you know a 10 20 year uh career yeah. in this industry
1: yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer that when you share ideas, feelings, emotions, ideas, you know, stories, you may be helping somebody else along the way to not make the same mistakes or just to help them answer a question maybe they have. Are you getting yeah. feedback from other people in the industry? Like, yeah, we oh do. oh my gosh, I, get, I read this article and it totally helped me. Yeah, we do. We get those Yeah, we get those emails. In fact, Antoine, uh, Reed and myself, we get those emails regularly, especially when the stories come out, the issue hits. We, we get, uh, yeah, we get some great, we get them from tobacconists, we get them from manufacturers, and I think it's interesting on the manufacturing side is they get to see, although they don't, you know, sell the special source of, you know, how successful the businesses are, you know, what they right. do, they give ideas to how they build the team and how they actually run their company, so that other companies see that and they're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Perspective is 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 interesting and insightful. And on the retailer side, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that have stores. There's a lot of guys out there that want to open other stores and make their stores more successful and. Uh, we're able to tell those stories, and we get feedback from retailers all the time. Says, "Hey, thank you for running that article. We really appreciate it. We actually learned something from that, so right.
0: it means something to us. And we know that we're on the right track, I guess." of It's you know, really what we're similar doing. to obviously sharing. I I love sharing because I don't think anything's super proprietary, yeah. um, but there's obviously proprietary information. But sharing, like you said, uh, reminds me of there's a obviously uh, Rochester houses the Mayo Clinic. Yeah which is one of the biggest medical institutions in the world. And the Mayo brothers, I didn't know this, but were pretty responsible for making doctoring and surgery more of an open book. Because before it was very like closed off, like I'm going to go see Ben because Ben has a really good success rate. So he must know what he's doing versus Rob. The last few patients that I've heard from Rob, they didn't do so well. I'm not going to go to Rob. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Right. So it's very like we didn't, I wouldn't share with you what I was doing and you wouldn't want to share with me because I might steal some of your clientele. But the Mayo Brothers were responsible for saying like, no, let's all share. And that really sparked a lot of further growth, much faster than the rate of growth that they were going in the medical industry at the time. That's great. I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows that story, but I just no, I, I didn't very know. That. Interesting,
1: but I think it sparks creation and innovation and yeah. new ideas, and you know, it, it helps people grow together, right? I mean, the tobacco industry is all about that. You know, with all the rules and regulations and everything that we have, let's learn from each other. Let's learn from each other. Let's come together. Let's help each other. Right, right. Very we have a, the same common goal. That's to all enjoy the products we make and create, to share those with people, new people, you know, existing customers,
0: etc. Exactly. Let's share those ideas. So has there been anyone either in the industry or not that's impressed you the most with what they've accomplished? Um, yes. To answer your question, yes.
1: Um, the co-founder of Cretech International, uh, Hugh Kassar, many may know him as Hugo. What a great story. You know, this guy, uh, uh, Hugh Kassar, he was an accountant. He was a, he was a CPA, Really, was 40, 40, 44 years old and decided at that time, had four children that he wanted to have his own business. And um, went out to Indonesia and uh, through uh, time and resilience, ended up creating this opportunity for the product that Cretec uh, uh, you know, sell and distribute here called Jarum, which is a clove uh, cigarette cigar um, and built this Phenomenal business from just being persistent and and having this vision, this goal, and manifesting this this opportunity in his in his mind and creating what today is you know Cricix International and Phillips and King. Um, I admire that about Hugh starting the company to give me the opportunity to do what I do today. But other people in the industry who have done the same thing, Jonathan Drew. My goodness, what an amazing story! All right? right? You yeah. guys slept in Nicaragua for two years. Right. At the warehouse on the floor, on the cement floor for two years and just kept going. Did what he wanted to do as
0: far as follow that passion, that dream, that goal. They have that you know? end goal in mind though. Yeah, they do. Right? They have that end goal in mind and they're making sure that they're driving towards it. Because otherwise, if you don't, you're kind of like zigzagging. You may get off course. Yeah. you need. A, I think
1: you need a, a direction, a resilience. You need to be disciplined, consistent. Right. And I think uh, once you have that vision, like I said, building that team around you, But just keep going. Yeah, most of the hard work starts when you hit that brick wall and you're like, oh, my God, I I, I can't go any further. And we've all had that moment, right? Right. So you can either fold and give up or you can carry on, push through. Push through, right. So I think there's a lot of people in the industry. Uh, I did an interview recently with Eric Espinosa and uh, uh, was a cigar rep, had these amazing relationships in the industry, and in seven years built Espinosa Cigars, you know, a big company i would say he was say a now. cigar rep first? he was a cigar rep yeah oh wow i interviewed him I yeah he was that. a cigar rep and what happened in seven years was like eric how did you build this company in seven years and uh, uh, the two things that he said helped him get to where he is today number one was relationships and number two
0: was social media really yeah so you really use social media to empower himself 100 percent. it's kind of like a grassroots movement yeah you think that's the most impactful thing that social media has?
1: I think it helps companies give them exposure. With with, with you know, if you haven't got a big marketing budget, you know, if you haven't got a right uh, uh, a huge footprint, it's definitely in a way for
0: small boutique companies or any business to get some traction. Yeah, I see social media like really shrinking the world a little bit and making it a lot more um, s- small from the perspective of like, wow, I didn't even know that that was available. Yeah, that cigar or. I didn't even know that this existed or, wow, that's cool that these these people are enjoying that brand. Right. Because, you know, not every shop can carry every brand. That's true. So now you get this exposure and you're like, wow, what are they talking about? Why are they liking it so yeah. much? Yeah. And then you might be able to find it somewhere. It's, I love that. It's interesting. I've been pretty fortunate to, to interview
1: some, some really interesting right. and successful people in the industry. So what about you? I'm sure you've got somebody that, you know, is there anyone in the industry that...
0: You'd I don't know, I look, at, well, I, I should say that I'm a little bit uh, biased because I look back at the guy I worked for at Tobacco Grove, Jeff Haugen, yeah. just as a tobacconist, and he just created a really good environment and opened up other locations, always had a strategy in mind, and then he released his own cigar brand called Crux Cigars, and right. again, growing that, and I'm just like, wow, like, there's, it just never stops for you, like, you're always on to the next thing in a good way, like, everything he touches seems to do really well, but again, I see that focus, like- yeah. What's the goal for the tobacco shop? It's to have a great place that's clean and enjoyable and people come and they want to yeah. spend their hard-earned dollars on cigars, which we used to always say, like this is a $10 vacation. This is a $20 vacation. It's a two-hour vacation right now that you're taking. You're just yeah. you're releasing and you're you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Um, same thing with the cigar brand. You know, he's producing the cigar brand, making sure that the label looks good, the packaging looks good. And he's slowly just trickling out into the market, making sure that people adopt it and want it. You know, it's just great quality product. He aligns himself with great manufacturers that make great products. So, I mean, all in all, he's probably one of my one of my go-to people. That I'm like, yeah, he's doing it right. He's got he's got the drive. Yeah, that I see in
1: you need those people people in your life. You need that.
0: Yeah, almost
1: mentor to kind of guide you through some of those times right yeah
0: or even if it's not even like they know that you're guiding that yeah. you're picking something up off of them but you are like yeah. you're, you're like wow that's that's impressive yeah it's impressive that they know how to do that yeah yeah i, like I don't that. know a, how to do that i don't know how to make a cigar
1: no i don't either but well i it's I, impressive no, yeah it's yeah. impressive it sounds like you're that. good at rolling though i mean you, yeah right you, you nailed that part <laughs> if you
0: want any of my cigars it will be a little weird <laughs> down tip but yeah you cut that off anyways don't worry about it <laughs> all right man ben i really appreciate it but before you leave, let's talk about your humidor and possibly some essential cigars that you have inside of it. Ooh. What are some essential cigars in Ben's humidor? So I'm kind of a mild guy. I like,
1: I like uh, the Larroir 1987. I'm more of a Connecticut guy, the mild, you know, mild yeah. shade. Great cigar, great cigar. Davidoff um, Anniversario number three in the Toro. That's in my humidor. That's that's my go-to. Ooh, that's a yeah. good smoke.
0: I like the special R by Davidoff. Splash, special R is good too. I like that too. It's a light cigar, but nice sweetness to it yeah. a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's uh it's it's a good smoke. The Oliva uh Connecticut Reserve, another favorite that's right. in there. Gotta have that. Um uh My Father Connecticut and obviously the Monte Cristo White Series, big fan of those too.
0: That's what I first yeah. like. I that was my first traditional cigar that I actually gravitated towards, and I was like, yep. Yeah. This this is palatable for me, right? Yeah, and and you
1: know I like a nice medium body and full full body cigar from time to time. I just got to make sure I'm not driving my car. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> got to take my time.
0: Now, what about a cigar that you you recently smoked or or you like to smoke, but you just feel like it doesn't get the recognition it deserves?
1: Yeah. Well, what I'm actually smoking now, the Balmoral. I think Balmoral cigars, phenomenal cigars. In fact, yeah. when they came out with the Anejo XO. Uh,
0: we're smoking the Connecticut right now. The
1: Connecticut right now, yeah. And this is a great cigar. This is, I think, underestimated and undervalued and underappreciated. The first time I had this cigar, I was like, oh, my goodness. It's how much? I mean, the price point's amazing, but Where the you smoke.
0: I know the price point. Sorry. It's,
1: it's, uh, I got it's, these as samples. It's like a 9 to $11 cigar. I mean, It's, oh, it's, it's great. It's great, right? So um, this cigar right here, Balmoral, the Connecticut, uh, the Anejo XL Connecticut, this, if you haven't tried it, go out and try it. It's a great cigar, great smoke. Enjoy it at your local tobacconist or lounge. Yep. And if you need somebody to help you cut and line it or at least educate you on that, <laughs> he's your man right here.
0: <laughs> Ask your
1: local tobacconist. Right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. I
0: mean, this, this was unexpected. You know, come to see you guys up here and, you know, see yourself. Wow, we appreciate phenomenal. it. It's great to have another cigar smoker on. Box Press, understanding the industry, the ins and the outs. You guys play a pivotal role in making sure tobacconists and manufacturers are telling their story, getting educated, and people are enjoying their passion, which is smoking cigars. That's what we're here for, folks. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, Ben, for being on Box Press. I really appreciate
1: it. And if you uh, haven't signed up yet for the TP Tobacco Plus Expo, January 29th to the 31st. Coming out in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Convention Center. We'd love to have you. It's going to be a great show this year. And if you haven't subscribed to Tobacco Business Magazine, go online and do so. So
0: nice. Appreciate it.